You know what I love about branding? A memorable name. Oh, yes. Something unique and specific that rolls off the tongue nice and easy. Exactly. Well, this week on Patch Podge, we're talking about the Drag Queen of the Year Pageant Competition Award Contest Competition. Uh, now that rolls off the tongue. This is our final installment of Patch Pod, Patch and we're talking about the future of pageantry. DQOY, baby. <laughs> A chat with co-founders Lola LaCroix and Alaska. Yes, plus we've got great interviews with former DQOY contestants, Sabiana, Chiquitita, and the current reigning Drag Queen of the Year, a drag Drag King, incidentally. Tenderoni is with us today. And we hope you enjoy our final episode of Patch Pod. Forever. Presenting constant Zoom meetings and nonstop podcast recordings, she is Miss Hard Out 5 p.m. singer, songwriter, trash bag wearer, and she shares the title of Miss Mogul of Media 2021. She is yours, Alaska. And representing the technological wonder of earbuds provided by Delta Airlines, she is fashion icon, songbird, star of raked stages and silver screens worldwide. She is also your Miss Mogul of Media 2021. Here is Willem Dubois. Good evening, panel of distinguished snappers and listeners, and welcome back to Pageant Pod, which we lovingly call Pageant Pod. Um, just a correction, I am also a song reptile and a song mammal, not just a song bird. We're gonna need to update the bio. Um, and I'd like to update you on some progress. We've reached the end of our eight episode limited wow. series podcast. We did it, Joe. Where we explore we the fabulous and dramatic history of drag pageants and how these queer institutions help shape the drag culture that we enjoy today. And today we are going to be diving deep into the history of a pageant I co-created, the Drag Queen of the Year Pageant Competition Award Contest Competition. So let's get into it. I hear it was rigged. Oh my God. No. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I kid. Um... Jody so uh, we've spent the last seven weeks talking about these amazing and longstanding queer pageant institutions. And it's been incredible to think decades back and learn about the trailblazing queens and artists who've paved the way for drag to be everything it is today. Yeah. And we're not just saying it because it's on the outline. We really mean it. We have had yeah. so much fun doing this podcast and we're so glad everybody likes it. Um, so now we can turn to the future and think about what's going to be next in the pageant scene. I mean, I think you... Uh, starting a pageant was a great move, um, an all-inclusive move, and just like doing exactly what you want the future to be. You're creating it. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, we really, that was the point of it. And it was like, and it was experimental in nature and like what would what would actually happen if we saw a space that was a competition that included uh Every, you know, imaginable, you know, type of drag performer all on one stage. And we did it and it was really amazing. And it started just as an idea. And then I started to like think about it more and I kept seeing it in my brain. I kept seeing the commercial in my brain. You and put it in the file. I did. I did. It was the mental file. Like uh -huh. I couldn't stop thinking about it. 
And so I was like, we just have to do this. We have to do it and we have to get it get it out into the world. And so we did. Typically, we talk about the rules of each pageant on mm-hmm. each episode that we talk about, but there are no rules in Drag Queen of the Year as far as I know. I mean, they gave me a rule book just because I was sitting behind a girl with a big blue league when I was judging. We threw the book see. at you. Yeah. Honey. Yeah. Um, and I chewed it up. Typically, uh, there are some stipulations about age or gender or entry fee that a queen must win a prelim before entering. But for DQOY, all you had to do was sign up and get picked, right? How many people applied, do you think? Uh, millions of the best performers the world there's, over They're still doing applied. a recount, I think, on applications, right? Yes. Uh, millions of the best such. drag performers around the world applied, but only a few are carefully selected by a mysterious panel of anonymous drag elders. I'm glad Jackie's um, still working. And they, uh, well, I don't, I don't know who the anonymous drag elders are. And if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. I always um, knew you. You liked it anonymous. Um, anonymous. Uh, Put your you dick know, through this hole and a mouth will soon suck it. There, there aren't really rules by design. Sort of the, the only rule was that you have to consider yourself a drag performer. Uh, it doesn't matter your experience level or, uh, you know, uh, uh, what you were, what anatomy you have or what surgeries you, you have or hadn't had, uh, or weigh-ins, there's how you were born. Like it doesn't, none of that stuff matters really. You just have to like drag and you had to be in town for the competition and available. Those were really the only rules. I mean, not the second year because it was all zoom. You could be in any town, bitch. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, you get into the, the pageant specifics. We have evening wear. We have a presentation, which uh, is a theme that's assigned to you ahead of time. And then you have talent. And then you have a, a question and answer. And I should know this because I was a judge, but how how was there judging? Was there a points deducted for things? Like, I know, oh, I'll say it, Abor did not have an evening bag for evening wear. And I remember deducting points, I think, but I don't remember how the points were. Or did she get points for that or not get points? How was there a point system? The and point how did you system deal with is, judges? Uh, well, uh, we're, you know, the way that celebrity guest judges are chosen is a, a method that we're still fine tuning um, uh-huh. because sometimes celebrities, as Some- lovely as they are, have no business judging. There's pageant. punkers, you're saying. Um, yeah. Punker judges. Yeah, I'm talking Punk to one act. right now. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I've only screwed up three judged pageants of yours. Okay, and yet I keep hiring you. <laughs> that you shame on me, honestly. Okay. Uh, no, no, it's it's like a zero to however many points uh, per category. It's not the you start out with a perfect score and they get deducted. Got it. We held the first year of competition in 2019 at the fabulous Montalban Theater in Hollywood, California. We couldn't have done it without the Montalban. And the winner of the pageant that year was Abora, who had previously competed on Dragula. And the pageant was a great success, but uh, it was the first year and there were some bumps in the road. That's why you only got to shave one direction. No bumps. Exactly. Um, So we had a little chit-chat with the co-founder of the pageant, Lola LaCroix, to hear about her experiences with DQOY. Here's Lola. 
really, it, my obsession with pageantry comes from being a, a young gay boy in the middle of nowhere watching like Miss America on television mm. and Miss USA. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just and knowing you be, could do it better. Well, there's the T. Like, <laughs> she's not walking I, right. I'm here, like, bitch. I walk in heels better than these hoes do, and no one knows that I walk in heels yet. So. It, it was, it was, that's where it stemmed from. And then really like it, it became an obsession of Alaska and my, um, that we just would constantly watch pageant videos on YouTube. That's all we would do. And really we still do. I mean, we'll yeah. just fucking lay on the couch and with a glass of wine and watch gown, like from continental <laughs> 2001. How did we decide to create the drag queen of the year pageant? <laughs> competition well, award contest competition. Oh Yeah. Listen, Thank I you. still can't say it all. I just say DQOI. It's fine. Um, I I tell this story, I think, differently than she does. She just thinks that, you know, we magically came up with this idea to have a pageant. But the real tea is we were in the UK on tour and like mm-hmm. the fourth night in a fucking row just after the gig in this tiny ass hotel room guzzling wine like it's water. <laughs> And a lot of our conversations and our ideas start out that way, you know, guzzling wine like it's water. But we we were talking about starting a pageant and, a, and it was just this crazy, like delirious talk of starting this pageant where everyone's inclusive. With, you know, there's there's no rules about if you have tits or not or if you don't have uh, if you have work done from the neck down. Um all of that. So like, it, it doesn't have to be drag queens to be drag Kings, anyone who wants to enter. And so it was just this crazy thought. And then we go home and next thing, you know, she texts me and said, well, I have a venue. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> I was like, is this bitch literally fucking insane? Like drag yes. on weekend doing this pageant. We have a venue of a theater. Whew. It's our first year. We got to fill the bitch. Like yeah. it was, it was a big, um, it was a big dream that came into a big reality real fast. And I was shocked when it happened, but I'm glad it did because now we're going into our third year soon. And it seems like yesterday was literally day one. What would you say makes Drag Queen of the Year different from other pageants? What makes drag queen of the year different than other? There's, I mean, a multitude of things. Like first and foremost, it's not. It's run by two cross dressers. It's run by two people who know what the fuck they're doing in a pageant oh. system versus just two gay men who've never had or multiple gay men who've never worn a wig in their life. That one right. makes a huge difference. Two, anyone and everyone is welcome to enter this pageant. There's no stipulations. There's no rules when it comes to who can and cannot enter. The only thing you've got to go up against is that anonymous panel of drag elders. And I hear they're very tough. Yes. Also, you know, I, I truly believe that we give a prize package that is way better than a lot of national pageants do a lot of national pageants you don't get 10 grand in cash you get some cash and you get 10 grand in prizes and like Mm, fuck your prizes i want the money so that's another thing because it's really making a huge difference um to to that winner because that winner is is probably someone who's not in the pageant world uh, to begin with, and you know, getting ten thousand dollars to them can mean night and day difference, especially in this pandemic. 
when people were making money. You yeah. know, a lot of pageant girls, they take their winnings and they put it right into the next pageant they're doing. So like maybe someone's winnings go back into a gown or a talent or whatever. Um, but the other nice thing is too, the contestants that we have for Dry Queen of the Year are people that would not normally enter a pageant. So you're you're taking the pageant world and you're and you're putting it into uh, the drag world of, of when it comes to people who probably wouldn't pay attention to pageantry normally. Because pageantry yeah. has really, you know, been an obsession of ours for so many years and, and especially the girls that come out of pageantry and the and the documentaries we watch constantly, pageant and Trantasia and all that. And the Queen now, the Queens. So it's very um it's very nice to take this form of drag this form of pageantry and, and introduce it to the world where some would say pageantry is a quote unquote dying art form it's nice to keep that running there's also like the structure of like i mean first of all there's no like entry fee that's a big uh, thing too yeah like but also it is the everyone who enters isn't necessarily in the the competition that happens on the night because it's sort of because it's selected by an anonymous anonymous panel of drag elders so it's like um, it takes the place of like a preliminary round their preliminary right. round is your application that goes right to the panel who then decides who's going to be the final because that i mean that's that is a, that's your prelim pageant that's what it is yeah. So it's very it's similar in that aspect of things, but it's also very different because we get so many people who are trying to enter this pageant, probably a lot yeah. more people than, you know, who are normally trying to enter a pageant. You're right. The application is the prelim because it's yeah. because it's like because it's like some people are just like, hey, I want to enter the pageant. And like provide, but but the thing, but the thing asks for all these like specific things, like videos of your favorite time that you've ever performed, and like what what would you do with the title? So it is like it's question and answer. It's like it's all of these things. What yeah, would be your I love dream that. performance? If yeah, you, were given, you know, so you get to see what they would want to do on a grand stage like that, which is also nice. But the other thing is too, like when this panel decides who's going to be in this pageant, it's narrowed down to these select few, but those select few are all so different and really have to battle against each other in these different forms of drag. Whereas in a normal pageant, everyone is basically cookie cutter the same. You're nitpicking for details at that point. At this one, at this pageant, it's just, it's so, everyone is so different every time you see a new talent it's, or a new gown it's it's gonna or a, a evening wear i should say it's gonna be something different it's not just gonna be a rhinestone gown we did the pageant the first year in 2019 at the montalban theater in los angeles the the sunday of drag con mm-hmm. um how was the production how were the judges how was the scoring process why don't you tell us a little bit about that muddled well <laughs> muddled uh, muddy and muddled. The thing is, it was a first year gig. So with a first year gig, you know, you really don't know what's going to come out of the woodwork and just completely fuck you when you have a live audience out there. But the real show is what goes on backstage, I felt like for that sh- for that. Um, period of time because we had so many people that were running around saying like this isn't working that's not working i was changing and like fully ran out with half a fucking outfit on just because someone yelled this girl's 
background is not showing up in her talent. It's like things like that that no one else sees yeah. that you think this pageant is about to shit the fucking bed <laughs> right now. But no one else knows what's going on. And there were plenty of those moments. I feel like I lost 10 pounds that night because I, I was running around so much. But there are highs and lows. There are there are things that happen and you got to roll with those punches and you just got to figure it the fuck out right then and there and make it work. Um, but there's also moments where, you know, you don't have to chase after someone or nothing's going wrong. And you can stand there in the wings and look at what's going on on stage and just be like, holy shit like this is incredible i can't wait for this to be over but this is incredible (laughs) (laughs) which happened which happened every time like there there were so many things that were unforeseen like the setup times were such uh Mm. such a debacle because Mm. we asked everyone to like set up and break down in one minute but that that did that in no way happened and so it was like we were looking at 10 minutes 15 minutes for for things to to be set up and the and the stage was dark and so this unforeseen segment happened where it was like okay well me and jackie we got to do something so we started raising money for the lgbt center um and we ended up raising way more money than we thought we were going to because of these mistakes. And luckily the audience was on our side. And so everyone was just like celebrating the, the magic that was happening on stage when the setup was finally finished. (laughs) And it was also like, there was a lot of like rehearsal times with the contestants and trying to figure out, you know, staging and this, that, and the other. And then we walk in and there's a completely new sound crew for the gig (laughs) versus two days of rehearsal. So then you're like, Oh my dear God, everyone who knows the cues and knows what's supposed to happen is gone on the day of the gig it's all new people so you know that one i didn't even i didn't even fuck with that like i y'all take care of that i don't my medication doesn't that's not on the bottle so i'm sorry i gotta stay backstage here so 2020 happened um and a lot of things were put on hold and dqoy was one of those things and then finally 2021 happened and it happened in a digital format. So can you tell us like um, a little bit about that? What did you learn from doing the live stream and how did how did that come about? Well, doing the live version, the live stream version versus a theater version is a night and day difference. And it's it, a little different. It was really yeah. different being in a studio with no one in front of you except for no a audience. Nothing. And like, you know, you're walking in frame modeling to music that you can hear, but no one like we can't in studio. So we're walking into air, hoping to God it looks good with whatever the fuck is playing in the background. And like you don't hear anything, you don't see anything. So you're really just stepping out there and putting your pussy on a platter hoping they want it. So that's a big difference, first and foremost. And then you have judges in each of their um, homes, like wherever the hell they are, all on a Google spreadsheet that they're typing in their their numbers for. And then I'm mm-hmm. logging in on the other side. 
you know, if, if a judge had a question, I had to answer phone calls, text messages, like they were asking questions as they were typing in, as I'm tabulating. So that was different because I wasn't running around getting contestants together, which was amazing. I sat in one spot, but I was still, you know, working my ass off dealing with children. So it was, you know, what, what do I have? How do I add? Don't call the judges eight, that. All right, child. <laughs> eight plus eight is 16. So Lisa, you were the, you were the, the littlest of children on that panel, so I don't want to hear it. Totsarella uh, St. James would be an ass. Me? Yes, bitch. <laughs> the tabulations are not cute at DQOI. This is the second year in a row that I have shit myself trying to tabulate these scores. And I'm just praying that year three is going to be, you know, the charm. Do you think that is that's how it is at other pageants? I know at EOY, my year in California, at least two or three scores were thrown out due to judges' um, insobriety. Incapacitation. <laughs> incapacitation. <laughs> inability to be at the appointed place at the appointed time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you'll definitely hear stories of judges, like, getting shit-faced on the judges' panel. And, like, they have to huh. have their scores thrown out. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> like... And, you know, people also do throw out top and bottom scores in some pageants. And, like, I, I yeah. do like that rule. Yeah. A lot of people don't. I do like that rule because, you know, if you have someone on the panel that has it out for a girl from the get-go, you know, it's not their year this year because I'm on the panel. They, You can do that. You can f- completely fuck up someone's dream just because you have beef with them. And that's not fair. Mm. On the other hand, you can have someone that, like, is their best friend. So whoosh, they get a 10. Mm. You know, and it's not fair if you're in a fucking titty talk with someone that you're going to fuck up their pageant. So I like the dropping of the the highest and the lowest scores. Can you tell us um, what was your lowest point in 2019 at the Maltabon Theater? Was it when a bitch <laughs> stole your shoes? <laughs> My I heard, lowest I heard, point. I, I heard that there were there were items taken and things weren't treated as they would have as other performers would have wanted them to be treated had they been their items. Well, I for 42 mean, pump. The f- first thing I have to do is apologize to Dipper because when those <laughs> shoes came up missing, I was like, where the fuck are my shoes? Get my shoes. Get my fucking shoes. First and foremost, there were plenty of low points. This is just one of them from 2019. <sighs> Wait, where were the, what shoes went missing? My fucking I was wearing boobs went missing from the dressing Why room. Why did they go missing? I was wearing Willem them. put them on to go out for a little gag. She I needed her shoe. She put my heels on. And so <gasps> then this is when <sighs> y'all were pointing out this, you know, all this debauchery with, with me and this congeniality. That was a total surprise. And, yeah. and Dipper's like, put on your shoes. I'm like, what fucking shoes do you want me to put on, Dipper? They're gone. Next thing you know, this cunt walks off stage. She goes, oh, here you are. Thank you for letting me use your shoes. Oh my god! Hey, they were Louboutins in new... Los Angeles. They they were under my sector. <laughs> Little did you know, I had a brand new pair of PVC fully Zorowski rhinestone lubes in my bag that I had not taken the sleeves off of yet. That would have matched your outfit way better, but you didn't hmm. dig hard enough. Huh. Hey. I don't go in other girls' bags. It's not like me. You just go under the station. 
do you think we could ever do a like a prelim for Drag Queen of the Year? I was so thinking about this the other night. Like this is Drag Queen of the Year, you know, takes up like a quarter of our year hardcore, but Drag Queen of the Year takes up our brains 12 months of the fucking year. So Indeed. there's always things that are drilling my head. And I was thinking last night, like, I wonder if like, how prelims for DQOI would work. The other thing I'm going to do is make a fucking handbook. So there's no questions. <gasps> we were just talking about yeah. that. Making a handbook, DQOI handbook, because I, I'm the one who has to deal with everyone's emails and questions when I'm like, this yes. could just be in a fucking handbook that you could refer to. Refer to my handbook. We could do a football mm-hmm. too. I think we could, I think we could do a I prelim. We could do a prelim night the night before the page and literally invite everyone who who wishes to apply, every everyone, to come on stage and be like, "Hey, what's up?" And so like, you you want a twelve hour page? Well, no, it wouldn't be like do a talent. It would be like dress and answer a question. And I mean, and- I love that, but we get so many applicants that we're still going to need a vetting process with the panel to even do that. But I'm totally down for okay. that. Semi-finalists. I mean, look at the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of applicants that apply. You want to shove them on a stage the night before it final also, night? It also kind of fucks it because like then you then they're all getting a huge package together in hopes of going to the final night and then Welcome they to don't pageantry, get to... Toots. Welcome but, to but pageantry. I don't like I don't like that aspect of it. I like you knowing so you can take like you can take all the time to like know you're going. What and if you prepare. have a, a walk on wild card slot the night before? Okay, see, I like that idea. Mm. That, I that, love put that, that idea. Put that in the footbook, bitch. I, I do love footbook. a good uh, wild card with like maybe a previous contestant from a different year Ooh. or something. <laughs> Are you interested in doing the live stream in coordination with the uh, in-person pageant? I mean, that's ultimately, I think what we really need to do is is have uh, a theater packed with people watching all around the world on a live stream. Definitely. Like, that's, I think that's the golden ticket. And I really do believe that this pandemic has, has shown us that we can do virtual shit and be successful you know, and people still love it. So I, I truly believe that that's what's going to make DQOI grow bigger than it already is, is, is continuing to be on a stage, but also live streaming it to the rest of the world. I love that. Let's take a little break. But when we get back, we've got some fun interviews with some incredible Drag Queen of the Year competitors. Welcome back. It's great to hear how Drag Queen of the Year began, but when it came time for a second year, the whole world shut down. Alaska, can you Mm. walk us through what was meant to happen for 2020 and what actually happened for the 2021 pageant, please? Well, we had the date set with the theater. We were ready to go. We had the, the cast had been selected. They had been notified. Everyone was into it, ready to go. And then... Bam, the world, you know, the world shut down because of the pandemic, because of COVID. Uh, So I just put a hiatus on it because I was like, I don't know when all this is going to be back to normal. And 
uh, and so we just, you know, and the, luckily the cast was really, really patient. They waited a very, very long time. Uh, none of us really knew what was going to happen. And it was actually Abora who was like, she was like, you need to do it. And because I need to give up this title <laughs> because Abora had had the title for like, you know, two years and she was like, you need to do it. Just do it digitally. And I was like, uh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So mm-hmm. we did. Heavy as the head. Um, and we had a great chat with one of the studying queens from the 2021 digital competition of DQOI. Hailing from Brooklyn, she's full of potassium and a whole lot of sass. It's Chikatita. Well, first off, how was your experience competing in the 2021 Drag Queen of the Year digital pageant? Um, it was amazing. Um, thank you again for, you know, to you and everyone behind the scenes and Lola for allowing me to compete and putting all that together. Um, it was amazing. It was very challenging, which I find like very rewarding. Um, I love to challenge myself and I hadn't done a pageant since 2018, the Miss BK pageant in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, and that was also like a very similar outcome. Um, <laughs> I'm like, girl, which is like where my PTSD with pageants comes from. I'm like, God fucking damn it. Um, but you know, everything happens for a reason. And I am so happy with everything that I put out and getting to see everyone's work and how, you know, everyone's like interpretation of, you know, the rules and guidelines of the pageant. Um, it was very interesting to see and uh, it was an honor. So thank you. From the time that you decided to do the pageant until pageant day, how long was that, that you had to dedicate your mental capacity and all that to the patch? So it was almost instantly. I, as soon as I got that, I was like, oh my God, like what's, you know, and the theme and everything I was, I just started like working. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I need to like, everyone's going to try to like one up each other. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to, if someone's going to come out in the biggest dress, how do I come out in the biggest dress? Mm. You know what I mean? You did that. Like if everyone's going to do digital performances, like how do I make that stand out from what we've been seeing the past couple of months with digital performances which is you know like the cut and edits and whatever like I just wanted to keep it um as close to a live drag performance as possible so just tell us about your presentation look like from from inception to execution I figured that somebody was just gonna try and make the biggest dress right and I was trying to wrap my head around how I was going to do this. So I basically was just like, I need to make the biggest dress, biggest dress. And I remembered seeing that Valentino collection and I was like, fuck, that's actually perfect. It was like black and white, like zebra. It was, you know, as tall as, you know, possible. And I wanted to make something referential to that, not necessarily replicating um, any of the dresses because that's not really how I work. Um, so I just wanted to create something in that same universe. And I think I did that. Um, and it actually only took four days to complete that dress. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Actually gathering, yeah, gathering the, the materials actually took longer. But um, my friend Serena T, shout out, helped me um, sew the entire garment. And with just us both, it took us four days just in time to film it and send it out to 
to Alaska. So it was fucking major. Um, and I originally was gonna like walk into the dress almost like from like, a, like stairs or something. And that just didn't work. And I was working with someone that had a rig system at House of Yes. And <laughs> they were like, how about we just do like a TikTok cut, you blow a kiss, and then we'll just like put you in a harness and lift you up, girl. I was like, that, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Rigged, honey. Rigged. And I would, I would also like to, <laughs> to mention your dedication to fashion with your evening gown with the ass cheeks out. And then she Thank forgot you. her fur, so she needed to go back. <laughs> And say, no, 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 this is the full look, honey. Correct, <laughs> correct, correct. Well, because after I sent in that video, my deadline was 12. And I had filmed that that day, like before my deadline for, for sending in the videos. And I was like, fuck. At the end of that, I was like, fuck, I forgot the fur. I was like, it's okay, I'll just show it when we do the Q&A later. Like, don't worry about it. Um, and I still love just like the, oh, wait, like I dropped something. Oops. One second. <laughs> like, so good. <laughs> Did you get to see your sheets? Do you know where you placed in the end? I would love to know how it was judged, um, which I don't think will be likely to see. But you know how these organizers are. I know how they are. Um, <laughs> but I am curious. I think That's why none of, of the true be beauty shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, girl. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> shout out to all the competitors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm very curious. I am no longer bitter. And I think actually there was a moment there because of this pageant, I actually like deleted Twitter. I was just like, I'm done. Um, mm. Because I didn't want people, first of all, how fucked up for people from across the country or middle of America or whatever to be like, hey, we're going to dictate how this trans woman of color feels, right? And everyone's just like, yeah, yeah let's let's just pile on her, right? It's like, you actually don't get to dictate how I handle my situation Gee. ever, ever. Yeah. You don't hold that power. I will not give you that power. Mm -hmm. And so I, I ran and I just was like, no, you're not. I'm, I'm, this is not a platform for you, actually. So um, I deleted that because I was tired of, you know, men in wigs and people that don't know me telling me how to feel or anytime I gave an opinion on something that I was wrong for feeling that it's actually like, no, I am going to feel this and I have to let it out because if I don't, then what happens? It festers and I get bitter and I would rather not do that. So uh, that was actually like a good thing. I think that came out of my anger and frustration about the outcome of the pageant, which I'm totally at peace with now. Um, but at the time, yeah, I was upset. And I remember I even made a joke where I was like, well, they still need a crown of drag queen. <laughs> and people did not like that. And I was like, fucking get over it. Like, it's a fucking joke. We're drag queens. I'm allowed to say whatever the fuck I want. And I'm sorry, you can't take that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a drag race girl. You're not going to PG-13 my ass, girl. Like, this is my life. I'm going to say what I want whenever I want. And people can't take that. So, yes. Oh, yes. Can you tell us about your talent? Because I lived. The uh, Sade. The Sade. Um, Sade. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I am, I think, as most of us are, obsessed with that video of Chantal DeMarco doing Is It a Crime by Sade mm -hmm. for Continental? Mm. Um, because it is just 
it is just drag excellence. Like you, you cannot deny that. Um, and so I wanted to sort of, I feel like a lot of the best drag performers um, can really emulate that song and like really give it to you. And I just wanted, I guess, to join that like matriarchy, you know, of like the opinion of drag and drag excellence. And so I decided to take it upon myself to perform that number, um, crossing it with a uh, like a trick that I've done before where I, I'm wearing this dress and once it gets hit with water, it's like water activated. So it completely shifts color. Um, so that that dress actually went from like a beige to black. Um, which I don't know a lot of people caught initially. Oh, I didn't catch that at all. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't. So even your dress had a talent. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> the dress girl. Had a talent, girl. Yeah, girl. she was in her own. She's a she's her own competitor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think people thought that it just got wet, which I was worried about. But I tried it with. Um, I was originally going to do it with red dye, but then it just looked like period blood, and I was like, I don't think I should do that mm. either. Like, <laughs> so I decided on black because I thought it was the highest contrast. You know. Um, yeah. And at the end of the performance, I am back on stage with the scarf on the ground that I had worn at the beginning of the performance, and it's laying uh, in its original shade, and I am in my black, and you can see the contrast like that. So, um, yeah, that's that was my talent. I don't think the judges caught it. I don't. I don't think that matters anymore. But like, I don't think they caught it at the moment. That's the kind of thing that live. I think they they couldn't have been able to miss. But like in a little screen, you know. I, I missed it, and I wasn't even yeah. that fucked up. Your talent number it brings up, and and it brought up something really important because doing the pageant digitally mm. sort of sort of shifted everything. And and I and I was really I I I believe I I prompted all the judges that like this is not a video editing contest. And so the fact that you did a number that was all one take is extremely impressive because uh, because, you know, when when it's pre-submitted videos, you can hide so much and get away with so much with editing. But your performance was one take. It was everything that happened happened in that in that period of time. And I thought it was really, really impactful and really, really sickening. Thank you. And I just loved it. That means a lot. Thank you. Any plans um, for more pages? Uh, <laughs> to perform in them, uh, the only one that I could think of straight to the top continental, which won't be for a couple more years. Let me be honest with myself. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sickening, but I'm not that sickening, girl. Um, but I am planning something in Brooklyn related to the theme of this podcast sometime later this year. Um, in collaboration mm. with one of our very large venues here. So that will be happening. Um, and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I can actually compete in another fashion though for a couple, a couple more years. <laughs> like, I can't do that, girl. <laughs> Not again. I'm like, oh my God, it's so much. It's so crazy. <laughs> 
I absolutely loved hearing from Chikatitsa, but I think it's time to hear from the winner of Drag Queen of the Year 2021, the Chicago sensation, the king of the whip crack sound effect. Let's get a little tender with Tenderoni. Congratulations, because you are the current reigning drag queen of the year, uh, and you're also a drag king. So uh, how's your reign been going? (laughs) My reign's been amazing. Uh, First of all, thank you guys for having me on here. I'm like obsessed with this podcast, and I'm obsessed with pageants low-key. So uh, my reign has been amazing so far. Uh, Now that the clubs have reopened uh, mm-hmm. i've been traveling and doing a bunch of performances and it's always funny because people don't know how to intro me on the mic they think that i'm going to be offended because the title is drag queen of the year and i'm like <laughs> just say it <laughs> say it i say want it. you to I earned it. It. <laughs> they're like oh my god i don't want to offend you i'm like safe space safe space <laughs> safe space so what what has it been like um touring around and representing dqy and um have you have you booked like bigger gigs because of it um uh and often you're the only like king on the lineups is that like is that weird to you are you used to that is that always how it is do you feel like a trailblazer for your community that's a lot of questions but that is the ultimate chanel season one (laughs) that's a lot of questions (laughs) how do you feel or Or did you even feel it or i am absolute miss mandarin because i love (laughs) (laughs) yes so it's been amazing uh, traveling because I've definitely gotten a lot of opportunities because of it. Um, a lot of write-ups in magazines. People kind of like know who I am, which is very surreal to me when I go to a gig and a real girl's like, Tenderoni. And I'm like, who the hell? How do you know who I am? But um, <laughs> it's been amazing. I just did Tito Soto's show in San Francisco, Princess. Um, mm. That was like such a great um experience for me because like I love Tito Soto so much and his artistry is just great and San Francisco drag is just so amazing um that was like my first like big out-of-state show um and that was great and then I just did precinct um I did a bitch puddings show called bitchin which was amazing and then I was I did a spotlight gig at Mickey's which was like crazy to me (laughs) wow because I'm like, whoa, this is like a big deal. So, um, and everyone has treated, like has been really nice so far. I am a lot of the times a lot. I am the only drag king um, on the, in the show, um, which is, it's kind of like a, it's a niche market. So I don't mind taking those gigs. What was your experience like competing in the 2021 digital edition? I actually saw the contestants in the first year. I was uh, friends with some of the people who were competing. Kat Sass, I knew. Gigi Monroe, I knew. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't even hear of this. (laughs) I was like, I would have applied for it if I knew it was going on. So um, I actually didn't get to see it in person because I didn't buy tickets in time. And it was sold out during DragCon. But I was like watching on my Instagram stories, like going to the next story, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And um, just hearing about a pageant that was inclusive of all types of drag because I feel like pageants in a sense are very binary there's like male impersonators 
female impersonators and then continental which is like you know and the idea that all of these different types of performers could be in the pageant and it was all stunty and you know I'm obsessed with Tu Wang Fu and like the the intro that you guys did I was just like oh my god this is like my favorite thing ever so I was like obsessed. So preparing for the pageant was, so we learned about the pageant and then COVID happened. So I was thinking that I was going into it in person. So mm. I was like, uh, oh my God, what am I going to do? I My inspiration for the pageant, I was like, I want to blow this out. I want it to be like the 1990 American Music Awards. Like <laughs> I wanted to do Bobby Brown. I was like, I want to do all of this like stunty stuff. And then when COVID happened, I was like, I became more obsessed with the digital side. So prepping was crazy because we got noticed about the digital version right when I decided to go back to work. Cause I was like, uh, I can't, <laughs> digital drag is not paying my bill. So let me get a full-time job. So I was working full-time when I got the notice that the digital one was happening. And I was like, well, better get in gear. So I um, started to get my stuff together and like put my ideas together and we were like freaking out and um well when I say we it was me and Lucy low-key were like texting each other because we both knew <laughs> that we Lucy were Stool? yeah me and Lucy Stool were, were like oh my god like what are we gonna do and we were like so nervous about it and then um I re- it took me a couple weeks to figure out what I was gonna wear and uh what I wanted to convey I was just really in my head about it I think COVID just really put me in my head because I was like I got that straight up imposter syndrome where I was like am I good or am I not good so I really just put all my ideas together and um you know if you know you know Natasha whipped my ass into shape so she basically was like we're gonna do this we're gonna get serious she made a spreadsheet we got everything together we're like this is the budget that we're gonna do this is how we're gonna do it she made a crazy schedule and we turned it out and I don't work at my full-time job anymore (laughs) can you tell us more about your talent it was basically a collage of all things tenderoni and for me I just remember like it had all the swag of like return of the mac it was everything so my talent was, and once again, it was very much inspired by like music videos. I was, I wanted to take the idea that the pageant was digital and you know what, like, let's take advantage of it being digital. So like, let's take out the, like do the stunts, like the effects, the editing, because it's digital. Why not? Yeah. Um, so the, my video producer, his name is Todd Diederich. He's an amazing, like, he does a lot of cool content. He does Naomi's uh, Smalls World stuff. He does a lot of visuals for Naomi. He's an amazing, uh, we're like on the same wavelengths and it's, we're all about 90s throwback. So basically it was what you're saying. It was a collage. Um, that mix is something that I do all the time is Return of the Mac into like, let me clear my throat into Poison and then into my boo. <laughs> by the ghost town djs so it's like and it has whip cracks in between each one so that is like very much my brand i was like i love pageant queens and i love pageant mixes so i'm like i want 25 whip cracks and i want like the drama (laughs) so i was trying to mix like my very like old school tenderoni but i also was like it needs to be gay because it has to be like the mix of both um yeah (laughs) so i love that we will be back right back after this break with more Katie Not So Cork, Drag Queen of the Year interview chat.
are back and so excited to hear more about Drag Queen of the Year. But I want to throw it back to the first year and the in-person pageant of 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. She went from super fan to super queen, competed in the Drag Queen of the Year 2019 and won the talent category. Plus, she was seen as an underdog in the competition because of her lack of drag experience and bias from others about being an AFAB queen. Well, she showed all them bitches how it was done. Here's Sabiana. I'm Sabiana. I'm 26. I am a biological woman. And my drag style is very uh, dark, but I like to keep it still very glamorous. I love my stones, but I also love like a good, like, I'm gonna put on my leather jacket and like just some tights and my funky chunky boots and some chains. And I love, I love that style for me. And my drag, how I got into the drag scene, I started off as as a drag fan just and I was like wow I really enjoy the art of drag and it reminded me of like how I can't sing so I was like <laughs> if I can lip I can lip sync and then use my dancing ability to I mesh all that together and that's I've always wanted to be like a pop star you know what I mean so being able to be a drag queen lets me live out that little fantasy so yeah Mm-hmm. So my name is actually, so Sabiana is basically Sabi and Ariana Grande combined. Oh. Yeah. So, and my little friend, John from Texas gave that to me. He's the one who baptized me with that name. And the second I got the email, like you made drag queen of the year. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm changing my name. Cause Harley Barbie Rose is not going to cut it. That's, <laughs> awful. That's amateur, like baby queen. Like what was, what was I thinking? <laughs> What attracted you to Drag Queen of the Year and how did you apply? <laughs> so I have my Alaska Thunderfuck subscription notifications on on YouTube. So the second she posted it, I was like, what the fuck is this? So I clicked it. Not even like 10 seconds in, I was. she was like, are you a drag queen? I was like, no. She's like, do you want to compete? I'm like, yes. So I stopped the video and started applying. Literally. Like that. <laughs> wow. And yeah, I... I was like, I can do this. I've I've done the first one. I did the Night of 5,000 Alaskas. I loved how I felt. I hadn't been on a stage in so long um, due to like my dance team, like kind of splitting up. And then I kind of like fell off of dancing for a bit. So once I saw Drag Queen of the Year, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to put myself on stage and put myself out there with something that I feel that is like really deep to my heart. And I know I can, I can do and mesh things together with things I love. So... Yeah, I, I just fucking went for it. I didn't think about it. I just did it. And I fucking made it <laughs> with like nothing under my belt. Like all these queens that I was going up against have a name established for themselves, have won things, do weekly shows. And I'm like, I go to the shows and watch you guys. <laughs> like <laughs> now I'm going to be competing. So yeah. And you were the very first application that came in to the yeah. inbox I'm, I ever mean, for I'm drag queen of the year. i didn't even finish the video i stopped the video and went and applied you said i'm doing it <laughs> yes. well it definitely paid off do you experience any kind of negativity for being a queen and do you find that you have to explain yourself a lot to people and- oh yeah definitely when i had a um a gig at hamburger mary's weho i overheard people like behind me like whoa that looks like that looks like a real woman. Whoa, are those are her boobs real? And I was like, my my fiance turns around. She's like, she's actually a real woman. She does drag. It's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend. And we kind of explained the whole thing. Like, yes, I'm a woman. I do drag. It's 
everyone can do drag. So yeah, I experience it here and there. Sometimes people are like, oh, I just love the makeup. I'm like, damn, I don't even look like a drag queen, I guess. They're just like, it's nice, cool, like shit. <laughs> so Right. But- and I mean, I and I guess you're, you know, I mean, you're part of the, you know, and I'm grateful that you're part of teaching people about mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. I mean, because it is like it's a new concept to a lot of people that that think that a lot of people think that drag is just one one thing or one yeah. track or one journey. Mm-hmm. And it's it's way more. Yeah. And then they go on to like once because I pad and then they're like oh like what's this and they start touching I'm like it's padding like I'm, I'm a drag queen what do you mean <laughs> our next, I, I, our I next podcast do. is called pad pod and you can also <laughs> be on that if you'd like that's exactly your intro just yeah. no foam here so how do you feel about the rules and the sort of like lack of restrictions to entering for competitors for drag queen of the year the lack of rule. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> I went into this. I guess I should have fucking watched the whole thing because I went to the into this <laughs> thinking like, shit, this is pageantry. I know Alaska loves pageants. Boom. I'm going <laughs> to study. And that's why I did. I like looked up, you know, talent categories for Continental. I looked up Q&As. I watched like Silky's iconic Q&A. I watched Brooklyn's winning talent number. And I was like looking at what type of aesthetic the pageantry like world has. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's not me i don't even have money for this but thank thankful for my parents who really helped me through the pageant um oh man yeah i wish i would have went into it differently like more sabiana doing um like a pageant because i like mm. I, I went straight into it thinking pageantry glam oh, okay it's you know so yeah can you tell us a little bit about the first year of Drag Queen of the Year, 2019, at the Montalban? Take us there. How? What was your journey like? Oh, man. It was... Okay, so... Where did you park? <laughs> <laughs> at the fucking top. I'm just kidding. No. Damn, I don't even remember. Um, so, let's see. Okay, the one thing I can remember, because I have really bad memory, but my memory that I have... My prop <laughs> broke while we were there, like right after we teched. So do you remember Wait. the sex swing that I had? Yeah, you had built like a, a, a mechanism that had a swing on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A former friend of mine made that for me like last minute. And we were done teching. We're like, cool, that felt great, guys. Yeah. And we're going off stage thing. Um, they like FaceTime me because we're like in the front like mm-hmm. signing some of the programs they're like savvy it broke i'm like why what broke they're like your oh prop and i was like what the fuck i'm like freaking out and then i see like everyone like looking at me I'm like okay i can't freak out i can't freak out and they sent me a picture and like if it's like this it like was like this and all the nails were like showing and i was like oh shit. and i was like calling my dad and i was like dad you have to come please like having a breakdown like <laughs> full on all stars like to a moment breakdown and I was like, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do. But luckily he came and he fixed it and it was all well. But that whole night was, it went by so fast. But I feel like during the talent categories, like when we were performing, mm-hmm. it went by so slow. I was like, oh man, I just want to go on stage. I want to perform already. I was so excited to perform for you guys. 
my nerves were through the roof. My heart was racing. And right when we were going, um, we're about to go on stage and the music was about to start. My, one of my dancers hats bust. And I was like, Oh my God, could anything else happen? And you remember when I start, I'm starting like with my hands back and my legs up, like I'm about to get fucked on the swing. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very uncomfortable position. I'm sure you guys know it, but I'm um, comfortable in that position. (laughs) And I'm like, can someone take me down? Cause I can't stay here forever. And so they take me down the, one of your guys's um, tech crew takes off her hat. I think it was a woman, um, whoever they are. Thank you. Because they gave him their hat so he could wear it for the show. Work. Yeah. Oh man. It was so fun though. I loved it. Now, do you remember where you placed in this pageant? Were my scores legible then? Have you I seen don't. the sheets? I never got my score sheets for this. I wish I did. Huh? You'll have to talk to the pageant organizers. <laughs> they exist somewhere in a, in a file cabinet somewhere. Um, Jiggly, Jiggly um, called me and like was giving me some tips. And I, because I asked, I was like, I would love to know how I can improve what I did, what you liked, what you didn't do. And she, she told me some things and it was very, very. Um, What'd she tell you? Um, She for my leopard look it was like her least favorite and i was like got it yes okay um it, i mean again i was like new i knew i had like the butt cut out but like i didn't i had like my pads so you could see like the pads with the tights right. but i was inspired by like the mugler like dress but you know it wasn't like i didn't guess i didn't execute it correctly and um no it was everything was fine though she was she gave um constructive criticism well, Jiggly's, Jiggly's great for that because she'll break yeah. it down for you and tell yeah. you tell you how it is, but but won't make you feel like shit. She's yeah. really good at that. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you were really good at the talent category, which you won. I remember your mm-hmm. talent. I was like electrified by it. I was like, I, I hate to be the bitch that goes after her. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> I kind of felt that when we did tech. After we were done, everyone was like, uh, I was like, like oops. Yeah. Oops. No, completely. You took that. You completely took that and you could feel it in the room. And, and yeah, I'm so glad that you, that you won talent. Thank That's you. pretty mage. So you were invited back to be a guest performer at Drag Queen of the Year 2021 when we took it digital. Um, How was that experience for you? And do you think that you would have wanted to compete in a digital pageant after watching it? I I wouldn't have wanted to compete, but um, I enjoyed um, being a part of it so much. I was able to get... Um, the same, my same two friends who, um, did the first pageant with me to be on board with me this time. And also my same choreographer, D-Main, my friend who's amazing. So that was awesome. We whipped it up really fast and we're like, all right, let's record. Boom, boom, boom. Just put it out. I edited it all by myself. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. And the feedback was Oh my God. I was like crying. We all watched it at my house here and we had like a little watch party and stuff. It was so fun. The, I was like, dang, these people are really like taking advantage that it's like digital. They went to sets and stuff, you know, the water stuff. I was like, dang, I don't know if we've been able to do that like live. So yeah. Right. It definitely opened it up to like, there was, there's a lot 
of things that are possible, like when you do it digitally that aren't in real life. Right. But there's really no replacing the sort of the, I, I'm excited to put it back into a theater yes. and, and also live stream it. Yeah, because I and like not like to be like, like not any shade or anything. But yeah, like you said, it's you, you have more of a things like you could hide extra stuff that you don't want to be seen totally mess up you know you're able to get rid of that as opposed to when you do it on stage live it's one and done and that's it exactly so and i like that i like doing the one and done most of the time what would it take to get you in a pageant again or was this a one-time thing um i don't know i feel like it's not even just like the word like pageant i think just competitions i think i don't know i think i'm kind of done with that only because I've been a competitor since I was obviously like five and baby pageants. Then I did cheer cheerleading mm-hmm. competition. Then I did dance competition. So everything has been a competition my whole mm-hmm. life. And so I feel like with drag, I don't want to keep it that way. I it's too like personal and to me and like, it's like a sweet little thing for me. And I don't do it. I don't do drag because I'm like, I want to be on draggers. I want to be on Dragula. I want to be famous. Like I do it. Cause I, I fucking literally love it. I enjoy, I enjoy putting on the makeup. I feel more confident than I do now. Like I love being able to like make my eyebrows super high and arch and gorge and sultry when they're just like this in real life. So I don't want to keep like that whole competitiveness with it. I don't know if that sounds dumb, but (laughs) I I really want to keep it like pure to myself. It sounds, it sounds really authentic. And um, I feel the same way. I don't want to compete for stuff anymore either. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of competitions, uh, what's your opinion as a non-traditional drag queen about systems that have lots of pageant categories, like plus for bigger folks, elite for older, and then there's femme or diva categories for AFAB queens and Mr. and King categories. Do you think they should just be all mixed together or do you think that there's yeah, different qualifiers? I, no, I don't. I never understood that. I was like, oh, there's like those type of categories because... I don't know like I don't want to I want to go against everyone like if well if I was still competing like I would want to just everyone everyone like if we're all going to say everyone does, everyone can do drag then we can all compete against each other there shouldn't be different categories for it but everyone in one room let them compete T what what like label do you prefer like I know I know it's like oh we have to label everything but do you like how do you identify as a performer do you do you say you're like a hyper queen or a femme queen or um afab or like uh, a lot of people a lot of people call it ab fab (laughs) (laughs) no I just say drag queen and if I must then I say um, I'm a female who does drag, female drag queen, if I have to. Right. And if they still don't get it, I'm like, oh my God, bio queen? Do you understand? I'm like, oh, I'm like, I literally said female, but okay. You know, yeah, I honestly just say I'm um, drag queen. I'm waiting that. for a postal worker to start doing drag and say, I'm a mailman that does drag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Lola LaCroix, Tenderoni, Chikatita, and Sabiana for speaking with us about the Drag Queen of the Year pageant competition award contest competition. Where do you see DQOI headed in the future? Any big plans, prelims, tours, maybe some rules, actual rules? Uh, Just well, testing the judges? No, I mean, I, I'm very happy with the structure, but uh, we, we've learned a lot about 
um, pageants doing Page Pod. And one of the things I kind of want to add is, um, is is it active wear or sports? Resort. What is it? Uh, Sportswear. Oh, I love resort too. Like, Resort's great. But resort like, is already bathing suit. Well, you can you can wear pants at a resort, but you, you could can just wear pants give at a pool. Exactly. You could give the I I like throwing a little something new and weird in there to keep everyone on their toes, including I, me. I say you do just a category called day walk, things you would wear during the day. Show us a day out, but you could do anything during the day. Show us what you do during the day. Day walk. Oh, that's a great idea. Can I commentate on the side? And uh, maybe. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll wear a powder blue tux and a men's toupee. I love that. And I also, uh, I also am always thinking about what the next like theme is going to be. Because year one, we did leopard print. Then we did zebra print. And so, Ocelot. who knows? Ocelot is the national progression. <laughs> The ocelot? ocelot looks exactly like leopard. Sorry. How dare you, first of all? How are you going to go get ocelot? Do you know how many ocelots were killed at Stonewall for you to wear your leopard print and not know the <sighs> distinction and the difference between the two prints? We'll be back right back after this break. We're leaving. And the rosettes on a leopard are usually smaller and more tightly packed on the cat's coat, with spots arranged in a circle with no spot in the center. You are obsessed with ocelot. Now you will know, and your children's drag children's will know, because I told you. Well, I once once did a drag show with a queen named Ocelot of Bucks. (laughs) How much did she pay for it? She go to Kiria's guy? Yeah, uh, Akira was actually on our pageant, actually. So we should be thanking her, and uh, well, I'd like to thank all the dolls. And wow, can you believe it? The, what a journey this has been, pageant pod. Mm-hmm. It's been such an amazing ride. I've learned a lot. I've really enjoyed doing it, and we're so grateful to all of you who've listened to uh, who have told us that you love it so much. Uh, we thank you all very much. We really do. We encourage you to clean your rhinestone jewelry with alcohol swabs because hair yes. hairspray residue will dull the shine. And really you want to sparkle, bitch, because you're going to be competing in this world with the likes of Candace Kane, Brooklyn Heights, Nasha Lopez, lovely ladies at One Continental. Aurora Sexton, Asia O'Hara, Nina West, P- Victoria Porkchop Parker. Oh, talents, the talents. Chikatita. A curious see Davenport, Giselle Barbie Royale. Hey, girl. All, 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 all of these icons. Oh, my God. Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington, Kennedy Davenport, Mimi Marks. Oh. Oh. Sasha Colby. Lola LaCroix. <laughs> Tenderoni. Yes. Sabiana, Tasha Cole, and Tamisha Iman. All she of our through. amazing guests who have been with us and joined us to make Pageant Pod happen. We mm-hmm. can't thank you enough. We're so grateful. Yeah, I had so much fun and uh, learned so much um, doing Page Podge, and I'm so glad that we got to talk to all those lovely ladies and um, hopefully expose everybody else to some more types of drag that, you know, aren't produced <laughs> by the, the TV show people. Right. Uh, which pageant was your favorite one to discuss? Um... I feel like my favorite Page to discuss was talking with... Um, Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington, she's done all the pages. So like anytime we got to talk to her, she's just like such like a treasure. 
and she was yeah. really um you know she was she's a legend and like i remember seeing her and just being like wow i could never i couldn't even be in the same room with her you know yeah. i'm i have such an imposter syndrome and like she's so kind and it's it's it was great seeing seeing her see her impact on drag and what she's done in the world i thought and you talk to Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington and you really cover all the pageant systems because she really does have a crown on her mantle for every single one. We could have done one episode and talked about all the pageants with just her. <laughs> right, exactly. But we had so I, many more. What was your fave? I loved uh I loved learning about Miss Black Universe. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a few details I'm really obsessed with. Uh, the scoring system where you start out with a perfect score and then you get points deducted. I love that. And I also love activewear. Like, I can't yeah. get it out of my mind. I I think it's such a fucking awesome category. And I love it. And invite Giselle to be a judge next. Ooh, bitch, we need Giselle on the patch. And to judge daywalking, honey. Please. Let's, let's. Obsessed. She, needs, she definitely needs to be a judge. I can't wait to to hang out with all these girls. Are there any standout moments in the interviews that you, we met a lot of new girls that we, we don't know. Normally we know these girls and they all trusted to come on our pod and we're really gracious yes. with their time. Other than we're Alexis, so you grateful. big bitch, we hate you. <laughs> Just kidding, we'll get you next time. Um, wait, who collects Fucking collects I tried we three times. We, we couldn't, couldn't get, get her. her. She we said, tried talk to my people. We talked to her people. We tried so many times, but you know what? Who knows? She's busy. We may She's do a bonus girl. episode. When we finally get her, we may do a bonus episode just for Kalexis because you claim that you're friends with her, but she <laughs> won't return your phone calls. So I don't she believe said, you. Who? William? Uh, <laughs> Call Tasha Cole. I think you got the wrong number, baby. That's uh, what Kalexis said. <laughs> uh, what what is your hope for the future of pageantry moving forward? My hope for the future of pageantry is um, that all the girls get to see their score sheets when requested. There should be no more dilly-dallying or, or tic-tacking about or saying, oh, I don't know where they are. They got burnt in a hospital. Um, there's these score sheets. I'm waiting to see them because I want to see what I did because I was blackout. <laughs> well, yours are illegible, so yours you really You can tell they're aren't. mine because I bit the corner, though. You did, honey. Yeah. You were cutting corners and biting corners. Wow, bitch. What's your hope for the future of pageantry? I'm going to report you to the LLC police. <laughs> They're going to get you. You said you're a non-for-profit. I said, she's turning profit. She's turning the party and the profit. Queen of the party! She kept My- the crown! <laughs> My hope for the future of pageantry next year. You're all is- rotted. I'm taking this. Bye. <laughs> My my hope for the future of pageantry is that uh, is that more and more people get to appreciate and enjoy uh, a pageant because there's really nothing like it. The energy of being in the room when it, you know it's not done by a, a an editing bay, you know, or a team of writers who have decided how they're going to make it look. This is you're sitting in a room with an audience of people. Everything that happens on that stage, everyone sees. And there's just nothing like that energy. You cannot replicate it. So mm-hmm. I hope that by doing this, we've helped like spread the word a little bit because we want to invite like everyone out there to go support pageants, whatever system or whatever level. Uh, whether it's a prelim or a bar pageant or whatever, like go out and uh, get into it and support the dolls. Yeah. 
And also I hope to see like further like uh, sort of uh, I I want the rules and regulations to evolve with the times Mm -hmm. and they are. But I I hope to just continue to to see that uh, uh, as we move forward into the future. I think it was an important show for a lot of young drag fans to hear because now we might have piqued their interest in pageants more and go look them up, mm-hmm. go find them. Um, there's like importance that goes back like way back. Like when Asia described watching Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington's talent number, she literally, the quote was the audacity to be that grand. And it's <laughs> yeah. just so empowering, like take up the yeah. space because sometimes in this world, queer people aren't always celebrating for celebrated for taking up space and um, yeah. in a world where they don't get accepted all the time. We have to fight for them and stand up for them because they've spent so much time and energy and resources creating a magical experience for us, the audience, and uh, we need to celebrate them as queens and goddesses, period. Um, And there's something like powerful out of that idea, and that's what pageantry kind of boils down to it, just like celebrating celebrating them, the dolls. Absolutely. Um, uh, And... Uh, you know, we're we're just really grateful to everyone who uh, helped make this pod happen. It's been a lot of work, but uh, it was a team effort. And and thank you to everyone who who uh, made it happen. And thank you for listening. Yes, and also, um, the ocelot's another cat that features a rosette pattern, oh, oh but it's God. smaller than both the leopard and jaguar, so it's unlikely oh. to be confused with them. Honestly, so. They said okay. that I didn't, and um, unlikely to be confused. Literally, so if you're confused, oh. get it straight, sister. Unlikely oh. to be confused. I, honey, I'm confused. I I saw the jacket, and it was, it was ocelot. Confusing. It buttons on the left. It has rosettes. There is no circle in the center. <laughs> Don't make me peek. And tumbling down the Hollywood Hills and emerging from the brush, looking gorgeous and windswept. That's not a stick, it's her hair. It's a fascinator. She's your miss walking children in nature. It's Alaska. And one last time, representing Hollywood, California, the hardest working cross-dresser in show business. She's got a wig for every occasion and an occasion for every wig. She's your Miss Trouble on the dance floor. It's Willem. Thank you all so much for tuning into our eight-episode limited series all about pageants. Yes, and while pageant pod may be over, the pageantry, glamour, and backstage drama will never be. We hope to keep you up to date on all things pageant, as there is more to drag than just drag race. All of the pageant pod and all of the pageant. Remember to check out the pageant pod playlist on the Forever Dog YouTube channel for all the pertinent pageant video clips and references. And it's just a good old time watching their divas and gals, gals, divas, crowns. Also, if you have any pageant-related news, behind behind-the-scenes stories or amazing pageant clips, please email us at racechaserpodcast at gmail.com. While we may be done with the pod, we can always chat about patch. Thank you, and good night. One last time, Chicago. Thank you, and good night. Forever. Pageant Pod is a forever dog and moguls of media production hosted by Alaska and Willem. Produced by Big Dipper and Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli. Alaska Thunderfuck. Big Dipper. Brett Bowen. Joe Cilio. And Alex Ramsey.